to another great episode of The Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Brian, where they talk bourbon and, of course, drink bourbon. Grab yourself a pour, kick back, and enjoy another trip down the bourbon road. Very excited to have BlantonsBourbonShop.com as a new sponsor for the Bourbon Road Podcast. In fact, this podcast is brought to you by Blanton's Bourbon Shop. BlantonsBourbonShop.com is the only official merchandiser for Blanton's, the original single barrel. Looking for a unique gift? Blanton's Bourbon Shop has got you covered. BlantonsBourbonShop.com is your home for all Blanton's gifts. You know, friends, it's never too early to start planning your trip to the Bourbon Trail for 2023. We hope you'll join the Bourbon Road crew as we pull out all the stops this year at Bourbon on the Banks. So mark your calendars for October 6th and 7th, and we'll plan on seeing you in Frankfort, Kentucky. Be sure to listen in during the halftime break for all the details on Bourbon on the Banks. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Road Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Shannon, and today we are in studio, and we've got a great guest for this show. We know you're going to be excited about this one. We're welcoming George Koutsakis from Barrel Global, and he's got quite an interesting company that is, uh, well, it certainly got my attention. George, welcome to the Bourbon Road. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. I hope I didn't butcher your name too bad. No, no, you got it good, actually. Surprisingly, oh, yeah, it's like <laughs> much better than most. <laughs> well, we are sipping on a little bit of whiskey today. So today I'm drinking a single barrel expression out of Dueling Grounds Distillery out of Franklin, Kentucky. And this is a uh, cast strength barrel. Pretty darn tasty. I've had this on the show before, but I, I, I have to say that this particular single barrel from a very small distillery, very crafty little distillery got my attention and almost made it to bourbon of the year last year. So I was pretty, uh, pretty excited to try this. Yeah. An excellent single barrel. I haven't had more than one of theirs. So this may be a, you know, what do they call them? A unicorn, but nevertheless, it's delicious. It's wonderful. So is that the, is that a bottled and bond one or is it the normal one? Now this is the, this is actually the, the cast strength, uh, four year old single barrel. Okay. The bottle and bond is good as well. I have had that. This one is 120 proof. Yeah, I picked up a few when I was at the distillery last time. I got the bottled and bond and uh, one of the, the higher proof ones. So you're sipping on a little bit of bourbon too, and you may not want to mention the distillery it's from, but it's it's certainly one of the distilleries that you're uh, you're working with, right? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a sample. I mean, actually, I think it's fine. It's from the, the Neely family distillery. Got a few samples of their stuff. Um, I mean, I've seen, you know, they've won a bunch of awards for the Jet Brothers stuff they've done. I've seen their, their absinthe wins tons of awards, which is <laughs> really interesting. It's like they have this absinthe product that does really well. And yeah, I'm having a, what is it, four years and three months, um, wheat and bourbon sample of theirs, which is fantastic. Yeah, really good. I think I've had their absinthe bourbon. I, I've had a couple of absinthe bourbons, and, and they always tend to ruin your palate for the rest of the day. They're wonderful when you drink them, but <laughs> <laughs> they need to be your last yeah. uh, last glass of the day, though, don't they? Yeah. A good experiment that be like, you know, like Isla whiskey from Scotland. That tends to do the same thing. So it'd be good to do a little comparison, see which one wrecks your palate more, <laughs> whether it's the absinthe or the, the peated stuff. Well, George, I, I guess to start off here, I guess we'd like to kind of get the 10,000-foot view of what is Barrel Global without going into a lot of detail, because mm-hmm. I'd really like to hear a little bit about your your personal background and, and how you came to start this company. But I don't want people trying to guess <laughs> what the heck it is the whole time we're talking. So why don't we tell them a little bit about what is Barrel Global, and then we'll get into mm-hmm. some more detail about your background. Sure. So um, Barrel Global, I think it's one of the first in the US uh, that kind of brings barrel ownership directly to the consumer. It's a very front-facing business. Um, It's not, as you know, some companies buy a lot of bulk liquid and and 
hide the name of the distillery and make their own uh, their own brand or, or what have it. This what we do is we work we partner with a lot of different distilleries. Uh, we go to the distilleries, we take content, we take photography, we listen to their story, and then we we buy fill barrels of either new fill barrels or older barrels from them, and we sell them directly to our our customers and our consumers around the world. So. Um, I have a background. I lived in Asia for eight years. I mean, I can get more into that. But the goal is just to bring bourbon barrel ownership uh, global, take it to you know Europe, take it to Asia. Um, the US, of course, is a, a big market for us. And yeah, we just really like to scream and shout about our partners. We don't really like to hide them and just um, go ahead and try and sell nameless liquid or um, you know bulk distilled or contract distilled stuff from really big producers. We tend to like to work with really small up and coming distilleries, hidden gems, ones that have got, you know, quality forward and not quantity as I mean, you know, they can still be making a lot, but it needs to be quality forward, good story and focus on their own brands. We don't really like to work with contract distillers that I guess eight ninety percent of their output is to, you know, selling these barrels and then a very small percentage goes into their own brands. We like to work with distilleries that are focused on their brand and their story. And and it always comes again our contracts and stuff. We we it's adamant that we need to be able to mention the distillery on the bottlings that we do in the future. So say we bottle a single cast, it needs to be able to say distill that during grounds or distill that coal pick distillery. Uh, that's something really important to us. Well, I, I can tell you the questions in my mind are already piling up. I've got a million directions I could go with the questions I want to ask you. But first, I'd like to know kind of how, how you got to this point. You know, what did you do before? Barrel Global, and, and mm-hmm. what's your background in the whiskey industry? Sure. So, um, you can't hear it. I'm, I'm Scottish, half Scottish and half Greek. So, I grew up in an island uh, called Crete in, in Greece. Not a lot of whiskey there. Uh, but I, I got into whiskey when I, I was studying in Scotland. I started liking my single single malts. I was a, one of those students, you know, everybody's drinking their, I don't know, one, $1 ciders and, and you know, vodka that will rip right through you. I always had my little bottle of single malt walking around and making sure no one stole it from me and started doing shots of it. But <laughs> I, I got a taste of it, single, single malt quite early, but it wasn't until I moved to Japan after university and I got really into uh, Japanese whiskey. I was managing a, a bar there called Brewdog. I, I think they had a show in the US called Brewdogs in the Esquire network. It's those two guys that started a Scottish distillery. So I was so Scottish brewery, craft brewery, sorry. So I was managing a branch over in Tokyo and it just so happened the person who brought the franchise also had a, a Japanese whiskey company and an import, a Scotch uh, whiskey importing company. So I started learning a lot about Japanese whiskey, Scotch whiskey, trying a lot of things. Um, and then that's when I kind of decided I want to be a writer. Like I'd always be, been, been writing a little bit through university. But I decided I want to be a writer, moved back to Greece, started writing for some smaller magazines. I was writing for distiller.com. Um, Decanter is like a Japanese whiskey seller. Um, and then I started little by little, the alcohol professor. And then I kind of scaled up and got to like Forbes, food and wine, wine enthusiast, um, financial time. So I was writing for a lot of different magazines at that point in time. Um, yeah. And then I moved back to Asia. I was kind of missing it. And that's when I kind of moved a bit out of writing and got into auctions in Hong Kong. So I was doing like uh, old and rare whiskey auctions. So I uh, worked a little bit with Christie's, a little bit with Spink. It's another auction house in Hong Kong. That was a combination of selling old Scotch barrels and also bottles. And basically, after a while, that kind of combined together to for me to start selling casks of Scotch whiskey. So the ba- that background, I've been selling Scotch casks for the last eight years. Um, like old and rare, you know, Macallans, Bowmores, all the big names uh, to Asian, like investment funds, uh, family offices, individual clients, that kind of big big ticket items work a lot over there. Um, and I was living in Taiwan. I've lived in Hong Kong. I lived in Japan, as I mentioned. Uh, and yeah, so I did a lot of the casks. And then I guess the casks were going well and it was fun and it still is. But then I just, uh, I've started to develop my own brands the last few years. So basically all my writing kind of made me see what was missing from the industry. And I did see what was happening in Scotch and casks was going to come to bourbon eventually was going to come to the US. And um, because just how crazy people are collecting bottles, but the, the barrel thing didn't really exist. And I could see big brands making moves. And you see it nowadays, Diageo is buying this distillery, Campari is buying this distillery, you know, everybody's making a move into bourbon. So I kind of took everything I learned from the Scotch cask industry, because that is quite a 
that's now gotten very saturated. There's way too many investment companies in that. A lot of the big brands, the Diageos and the big brands are pulling back their stock because these like, you know, you can call them like snake oil salesmen come in, sell a bunch of barrels and then disappear. And then the warehouse that holds them needs to deal with these customers that want to, you know, get their barrels. It is a whole big thing in Scotch. So with Barrel Global, I just wanted to do, see everything that's being done wrong in Scotch and do it right in the US, which means working directly with distilleries. So that, that means there's not five people in between and brokers to kind of, you know, sell you tales and, you know, smoke and mirrors. You're working directly with the distillery. Everything's transparent. All the documentation, everything's there. And, and so far, it's, it's working quite well. And then I have a few other brands now. I've got one of my brands is called Coach Belt Whiskey. It's with a ex-Formula One champion and NASCAR driver called Jensen Button. So he's, he, he was just at Le Mans over with like Mike Rockefeller. He's like, they've got NASCAR 56, I think it's called. Um, so he's, he's racing with NASCAR. He was a champion in F1. He won the championship back in 2009. So we have a high-end blended uh, Scotch whiskey with him. And yeah, then I'm just working on a few other bits and bobs. But yeah, so, sorry for the, the long rant. <laughs> no, it's actually, it's great context. It, it's good to understand, you know, kind of, you've got a, a kind of a complex and, and full background in the whiskey industry. You've been dealing in barrels for quite some time and you have a passion for it and that's important. But what year did you actually start Barrel Global? Is that something that happened within the last couple of years? Yeah, so Barrel Global is one year old. We started wow. last August. Yeah, and yeah, like I think calls and like sales and everything started one year ago. Um, it was in the works for a while, like my, in my mind, and I was just doing the research and trying to find the correct partner in the US, which now we have a, I've got a really great partner over there. Um, and yeah, it's been almost a year. It's been a good year. <laughs> so are, are you guys, have, do you have brick and mortar? Or are you a fully remote company at the moment? Do you have a facility where you store... Uh, Inventory, how does that all work? Yeah, so we we are like mostly remote. We do have a, an office space in Iowa where our partner, uh, like our US, our managing partner, Danny Strabel lives. So he he used to have a, he still has a whiskey club called Rack House and um, he does a few different things in the industry. So he kind of handles um, a lot of the stuff over in the US and leads a lot of the sales um, and yeah, we have a, a facility we work with in Kentucky. So a lot of the distilleries we buy from in Kentucky are quite small. At Julian Grant, for example, is one of our partners that we work with. And you know, we sell new fill and older barrels from them, but they don't really have the space to store it for us. So we have a, a bottling. And eventually, we, one of the services we supply our customers is bottling services, um, you know, labels. We, we're we're going to add a service to help with like branding as well. And, and that's... That's what we do that out of the facility we work with in Kentucky called Bluegrass Bottlers. You might know them. And they store a lot of our casks and, and help us with our bottling needs. So okay. That's a good part that we have. So uh, how hard was it to get that first sign-on distillery? How hard was it? To, well, you were already in the business beforehand, so you had your contacts. But but Barrel Global something mm. new. You started this new company, and you approached that first distillery, and you said, I got this idea. You guys want to come on board. How hard was that first sell? It was tough. I mean, it was <laughs> actually thinking back. Like, I was, the first thing was actually the documentation. The fact that a company like this—I don't think there are many in the the, the, U, the the U.S. as far as I know—and it was quite complex. Like, we, it was like a lot of lawyers and fees and looking after. We didn't. We don't like to sell for investment. I don't like to mention that. I just mentioned what happened over in Scotch. So I just think that's a you know a deep dark hole. If you promise all these returns, keep doing that, and then it. You know, I don't know. I think that's just, uh, it's not great for the future. So we, we don't mention investment anywhere. So it was quite the, the big and the longest process was like all the lawyer fees that took us at least like six months um, to kind of set all that up, find everything we need, be, you know, we want everything to be straightforward, legal. And so that was the first big part. And then when that was kind of set, and we thought, all right, we're good. We're off to the races. And then, <laughs> then the distillery calls started. And that was pretty. It was tough because people just didn't understand what we were doing. Uh, I think, as I mentioned, this is a very established thing in Scotch. Like basically, all brands have, you know, you do your own sales in your brand, and you do like cask sales. That's something. But this one, they're like, wait, so we have a barrel program. You're doing this. How's it going to work? All that. So it did take quite a while. And again, our brand didn't have much of a track record at that point beyond like my history. 
Um, but now it's good. Now it's like, now people are coming to us. The calls are much easier. We've had some press. You know, people are realizing we're not like hustlers or, you know, um, out, you know, we're very transparent. As I said, we, unlike many companies, we put all of the distilleries we work with out there because that's something we promise the distilleries we work with. I'm like, look, I've got eight years in Asia, do a lot of work in, in Europe. I will push your brand. Like, we will talk about who you are, we'll tell your story. And that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people sign up with us because we're not trying to hide that. Um, so, yeah, but it was, it was, it was tough. The first distillery we got actually was, um, this distillery in Iowa called uh, Revelton Distillery. Um, and it's actually, we still work with them great. The guy, uh, Rob over there, the owner and his wife run it. And they're making some actually amazing juice. Like the new make is fantastic. Um, it's like, yeah, really good uh, stuff. And, and our partner lives over there. And they've just been great. They've been like, they only sell via us. You know, if anybody calls in the distillery, they direct to us. We've got a really good partnership with them. And, their barrels from there from them tend to move a lot. So that's something interesting we've seen that it's not just Kentucky stuff that people want. It's like people's sure. people's minds are opening. Yeah, yeah. That that has changed a lot in the last couple of years. And and although, you know, the majority of bourbons, let's say, are made in Kentucky, we all know that all bourbons are not made in Kentucky. And there's some very amazing bourbons made outside of Kentucky, including Iowa. So there's some great Iowa bourbons. And uh Yeah. I'm long overdue for getting back out to Iowa again. I, I definitely like it. So is that is that your only Iowa distillery? So far, yeah. Um, yeah, and as I said, like Robbie was great with us at the beginning, really believed in us, really liked the kind of global aspect of getting his brand out there. And that's been a strong partnership throughout the year. And we continue. Um, yeah, we try not to just sign up new distilleries and like forget the ones we work with. We always like to have like quite a big repertoire of stock in terms of age and, you know, um, location and, and flavor just so you know our customers can have something diverse they can have a diverse portfolio and everyone's okay. happy very cool okay so like i said the questions were piling up but one of the things i noticed you said was you weren't selling an investment and that's that's kind of interesting because you know the first thing that comes to mind to somebody who's buying a young barrel is that i'm going to buy it at a good price while it's young and it's going to grow in value over time what you're saying is that you're not going to, you don't want to sell that, that future value because you don't know what it's going to be. I mean, those, those values yeah. historically do go up, but you don't want to put a number on yeah. that because you know, what could happen, mm. you know, barrel inventories affect yeah. selling price. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we tell people right off the bat, we give them like a kind of how the bourbons, uh, you know, projected to increase in, in price over the year. You know, you've got a one-year-old now, a five-year-old is going to be worth much more. And at that point in time, we can buy them back. We can try and resell them for them. But we just don't like throwing that word. Like I feel, it, you know, and it scares brands. And I've just, as I said, I've seen it in Scotland. And if you've got all these investment coming in, or the investment companies coming in, flinging tens of thousands of barrels, it's going to oversaturate the market. There's a lot that's going to happen down the line, which is just why we've, we've broken away from that. And we're again, we're working with small distilleries, um, we want we get people that want to so we get people that just are starting their own distillery but want to bottle something now they buy five barrels and bottle it. We have like a hotel chain that wants to buy a few barrels, but then we have the individual that wants to collect a few barrels, go and taste their barrels every year, maybe do a, a bottling for their wedding anniversary, their child's birth, and then also down the line we we do so something we have at Barrel Global we've got a very state of the art tech, so we've got like a really good back end the customer area where you can check everything you have you can check its age you can check how it's progressing and and eventually we do want to also have like a really cool platform where people can list their barrels and then that will connect like retailers to individuals so a retailer might come and be i want a barrel this guy's selling his that he's been holding for five years and i just we want to have as the best exit strategies possible for our customers we don't want to just sell a lot now we're in it to stay we're not going to go anywhere i'm in the industry to stay so the exit strategies need to be abundant and diverse. And I think just by overcharging to start, which is one thing that a lot of these companies do, they way overcharge the barrel. So that just means it's so hard to get to that point where they're going to make a profit. And then all these promised returns, they don't know that. I mean, I don't know if you know much about Scotch, but there was that one figure was like 584% growth of Scotch. I think it was like over 10 years. And that was one range by Diageo. It was one range. And people would just use that for like the entire industry. Like it's going to go up by 500%. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I like to stay away from that. 
is it fair to say that you're selling an experience first? So it's kind of an experience. A lot of people want to be a part of something, right? They they want to be mm-hmm. in this business. And and by purchasing one of your barrels, they are in the business, more or less, right? They, they do become an owner yeah. at that point on paper. And yeah. They don't actually hold the barrel, but they do become an owner. And, and then, I guess, secondly, the whiskey is in the barrel. And at the end of the day, they can claim that whiskey and have it bottled. So they could end up with something to share out, whether it be at an anniversary, a wedding, at a, you know, whatever yeah. event they might be having, a company uh, picnic. Exactly. That's- yeah, it's an experience. It's a collectible. And again, as I said, they can resell it later. That's not like, and we help our customers do that. And just, again, I just think when you throw that investment word about, you also attract a different kind of, you know, you, you attract a lot of people that don't care about whiskey. And we, well, our, our sales team loves it because they just talk to all these cool people that are like-minded want to own a barrel. Yeah, I want to make some money. Everybody wants to make some money. But it's, I feel if you just, if you do it this way, you call it a collectible, you call it an experience, you get people that are actually passionate about it. It just makes everything much more pleasant than that kind of cutthroat. I need this much money and this much time right now, that return. It's just, I don't think that's as pleasant. So you mentioned on your website that you're trying to cover two whiskey categories. Uh, I'm not sure what those whiskey categories are because I'm thinking rye, bourbon, scotch, what a Japanese whiskey, maybe. I, I don't know. What, what, are, what are the different areas you're trying to cover? So I think right now we're primarily focused on American whiskey and scotch because I, I have the history in scotch um, and a lot of good connections in, in Scotland with the warehouses, with the brands. I get a lot of good access to, to casks there. And then American whiskey as our focus. Japanese whiskey... Honestly, it's a bit, I don't know, it's a bit overrated for me. I loved it before. It's how I started my career, but the prices in a barrel, if you manage to get one, are insane. Uh, they're very tight about what they allow you to put on your labels and everything like that. Like in scotch and bourbon, you can do whatever you want. You can put it in a big decanter. You can put it in whatever bottle you want. In Japan, it's very, very strict. And it's like you get a teeny little bit in the label. Um, it's just not a category I'm trying to go into right now. Uh, tequila is an interesting one at some point. So I'm I'm actually living uh, here in Mexico City at the moment for a, for a short period of time. I'm trying to do some stuff in tequila. That's an interesting one that I'm trying to traverse now. Uh, but I think for the foreseeable future, there's just so much to be done in bourbon and American whiskey and scotch. Again, we were talking about it. There's all these states we want to get into. We want to work with some Colorado distilleries. Texas, we're speaking to, you know, Iowa, Virginia. There's just... <laughs> There's a lot to do in there um, at the moment, and we're loving it, and we're ex- we're really excited about how it's going. So I don't want to kind of pull our attention too much in too many different categories, if that makes sense, at least for the time being. Yeah, it does. So are you wearing a lot of hats, or do you have a lot of help? I wear a lot of hats. Uh, I've got, like as I said, I've got three, three or four brands right now, uh, but I do have, I think one of my skills as a kind of business owner, I'm good at choosing and finding the right partners. I think I'm more emotionally intelligent than, you know, number intelligent. So I've got my right-hand man who's also my best friend, Tony. So he's our CEO. He just runs it like a, you know, runs a ship, um, really well-oiled, really well-structured machine. We've got Danny who's amazing at sales and making that connection and, and, you know, you know, getting those bigger deals offline. We've got a cool sales team, great PR girl, um, that you've been speaking to um, a great, great social media partner. So I, I tend to find the right people, which I'm, I'm happy about. Sometimes it doesn't work out, as you maybe know, but they, I like to find people that can kind of, you know, they have the skills and the confidence to operate on their own. So I don't need to be over them all the time and always, you know, uh, babying them. And I, I prefer to meet people that are, you know, talented, smart, they know what they're doing, they have the passion, and I can just let them get on with it. And yeah, so it's running. I think it's it's going quite well, even though we are all busy. But it's 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 good. All right. Well, George, we're going to keep sipping on our whiskeys here. We're going to take a short break, mm-hmm. and when we come back, we're going to go through kind of the details of how the program works, and uh, maybe maybe an example of a, of a customer and and going through the process and purchasing and, and all of that. Uh, and then we got a lot more questions for you. This is some exciting stuff. So we'll see everyone after the break. Blanton's Bourbon Shop has got you covered. 
All of their handcrafted wood products are made in their in-house wood shop with authentic bourbon barrels. Specializing in barrel-aged potent treats, they use Blanton's barrels to age their own maple syrup, honey, and coffee. Find the most unique gift ideas for your golf lover, cigar connoisseur, avid coffee drinker, and Blanton's fan. Want to win an authentic Blanton's barrel head? Make sure you sign up for the giveaway on the homepage of their website. Blanton'sBourbonShop.com is your home for all Blanton's gifts. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we hope you'll join us this fall on October 6th and 7th for Bourbon on the Banks. The festival itself is from 2 to 6 p.m. on October the 7th, and you can pick those tickets up at bourbononthebanks.org for $65. They also have an early access ticket for $75. It'll get you in an hour early and definitely get you access to some special pours. But if you always like that VIP access, this year they're bringing in the VIP access tickets. We'll give you access to their VIP tent and all the great things that go along with that for $175. Be sure to check out bourbononthebanks.org. You'll get all the details on this year's event. All right, folks. Well, we are back after the break. I'm still sipping on a little bit of this uh, Lincoln Pinch bourbon from Dueling Ground Distillery. It's the four-year-old single barrel, 120 proof, a very fine whiskey, and actually one of your distilleries, right? Yeah, yeah. They're one of our yeah our, our newest kind of distillery partners. We were up there last month with my partner Danny. I uh, went to meet the guys, Mark, over there. Um, great guy saw what they're doing over there they're making some amazing stuff um, as you you know you, you're tasting and um, so yeah we get a combination of new fill barrels from them um, they can't produce much so they only make I think it's like eight barrels a week or something like yeah. that right now so they're not you know they're very much Mark's very much focused on very slowly growing you know keeping that quality um, up he doesn't seem <laughs> in a rush at all to expand or you know grow like like a lot of them are he just seems like quite chill he's making good stuff and um yeah so that we we, we buy some of their older barrels so some some of our clients are bottling some of it and then um some of the new fell stuff as well yeah it's a great little distillery it's uh you know it's kind of off the beaten path just a little bit but if you're traveling north and south between nashville and louisville uh which a lot of people do it's right there near the state line. It's what what a great little spot. Good people, and their whiskey is phenomenal. Really good whiskey. Mm. So they've got some they've got some skill in in the uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, they're like yeah, really cool. Like the pot st- pot still distilled. I'm I'm really enjoying their stuff. It's like something really different. Because for me, I'm not a fan of like the very very overly sweet. Uh, bourbon you know i i like it but I'm, I'm more of a rye fan so i like the ones that have a bit more of that like you know like the dueling ground stuff is more like it's got that spice to it it's got a few extra elements to it that make it a bit more complex for me personally yeah one of the things i like about the dueling grounds whiskey is it does have that sort of a unique spice and i always call it like spice drops like those uh those holiday gumdrops with the real spicy flavor to them and the sugar coating. It's not super yeah. sweet, but it does have that nice spice drop flavor to it. And you get that at a few distilleries. Um, you know, one of them is Willet. You get that from Willet sometimes. You get it from uh, Leaper's Fork Distillery out of Tennessee. And there's a number of other ones that you get it from. But whenever I taste it, I just think, wow, how do they, how do, they do that? How do they... Uh, get that flavor out of the barrel and out of the mash mm. that nobody else is getting, and it's just pretty, pretty fantastic stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I was really happy to speak to them, and I feel that it's when you, I guess, it's hard as I mentioned before to get sign on the those first distilleries, but I think once you, they all know each other, right? So once you you've shown that you're actually like you 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 know you you do what you say you're going to do, you're a man of your word, you're you're like very transparent, and then war gets around so it's like they all recommend <laughs> it's quite a small little circle i guess in kentucky so now we're working with mark and then we've worked a bit with paul and b roland and now the word's getting around and it's getting easier and we're getting some really cool casks all right so i i think it it's appropriate now if we kind of go through the process because i think the our listeners have heard what you had to say they kind of got an idea what your company does but i think the best way to do this is to kind of go through 
how it works from the time somebody lands on barrelglobal.com and they click that request info and pricing button what how does it yeah. how does it happen from that point forward um so basically the people will go on they'll schedule a call with uh, one of our sales teams we've got um three members three no four four members it was four sales members at the moment um, so they'll, I guess when they request the info, the first thing you'll get is like a deck. So we have all these decks that have a, uh, you know, a history of the distillery, a summary basically of what the offering is, uh, the history of the distillery, what they're all about. We've got some bullet points of what they've done, be it releases, be it, you know, um, you know, events, collaborations, awards, and then the pricing. So they'll get this. They'll they'll get this deck with all the information, and then they'll jump on a call with their sales guys, and their sales guys will take them through uh, everything we have to offer: the storage fees, insurance, about the distillery. Um, if that particular offering isn't to their liking, we have like a, a bunch more. At any one time, we'll have like five to like eight offerings at any one point in time, um, and that'll be a combination of. You know, new fill, two-year-old, four to five-year-olds, it's ripe and ready to be bottled. Um, of course, I mean, if it's scotch, that's a different direction. That can that's much older. Uh, and yeah, and then after that, uh, they'll do the call. If the client, you know, confirms and they want that, uh, they want a certain barrel or they confirm a certain barrel, they're sent um, kind of a deposit invoice right away. And then the whole system, the whole system's very automated. So it's not, you know, us emailing over paperwork and such. We kind of have a really good backend system that just automatically populates everything. So you get your, um, you know, you get a deposit, you pay the deposit, you get through your, um, your kind of delivery orders. So the, the contract that you need to sign that makes it, and um, as your barrel, you go through all the paperwork, eventually you do the full payment and then the, the, the barrel ownership is transferred over to you and your name is put in a ledger that the distillery also has. So it's not that, you know, it's just Barrel Global. The distillery also knows that you're the owner of the barrel. So sh- should anything ever happen to Barrel Global, you still own the asset at the distillery. But it's under Barrel Global's account, um, in a sense. But it's just okay. in the event that, you know, anything ever happens, you- your asset is secured. All right. So let's let's talk about an example here. For example, a new make barrel from Dueling Grounds Distillery. Uh, somebody comes on, they look at your deck. Uh, they see the the portfolio includes Dueling Grounds Distillery with a great description of them and their product, and and you've got new make barrels for them. What what might they expect to pay for a new make barrel of the Dueling Grounds Bourbon? Uh, the Dueling Grounds Bourbon is, I think it's it's around like two thousand four hundred US dollars at the moment. So it's one of a slightly pricier one because their production is so small. Um, whereas, so it, it tends to be with the distillers we work with, they're anywhere from one thousand eight hundred US dollars to two thousand five hundred US dollars. So the the higher is just the ones that produce a really small amount, and we can't get many of. Whereas the the, the cheaper ones are kind of, and um, we have more availability, and they're kind of a, ch- a cheaper price point. So they'll have to come up with, let's say, it's two thousand four hundred. They'll have to come up with a deposit of. Some amount, what is it like a 20% deposit or something yeah. like that? Yeah, it's like 10 to 20%. 10 to 20%. Okay. Yeah. So they'll have to put down on the barrel and that'll start, that'll kick off the process, uh, in which case they'll get the documents and it's all automated on their online experience. They'll get this uh, um, order that goes through and, and then an invoice for the final payment uh, where they'll pay that final amount. And once they pay that final amount, they'll receive a certificate of sorts, right? Yeah, exactly. So then they'll they'll get their barrel global certificate that you know notes the the barrel number, um, you know that's that's listed at the distillery with whichever distillery they buy from. So they get that contract. Another thing to mention is for the older stuff, and we can do it for new make too. A lot of clients want samples first, so usually um, if it's if it's for an it's an older release and they want to bottle it, we we often supply samples as well, um, okay. just to backtrack a little bit. Cool, cool. Yeah. Now you mentioned earlier insurance and warehousing fees. What could a, a customer expect in terms of uh, expenses on an annual basis for a barrel? Uh, it's it's typically around one hundred US dollars a year, and um, the facility we store with in Kentucky, we kind of try and have a facility in each state so that the whiskey is matured in the way that it's supposed to. So we don't really okay. want to move 
um, you know, the liquid too far from where it's originally, like the climate that it's supposed to mature in. Um, but yeah, typically insurance and storage is around 100 US dollars a year. Okay. So in the, in the case of this distillery, they don't store the barrels, but they'll go into a storage no. facility for you. Now, could a, could a customer visit that barrel from time to time? Yeah. So we have quite a good partnership with uh, Bluegrass. They, uh, a lot of our customers actually go there and try their, their, their barrels. I'm not exactly sure, but I think they're not allowed to drink it at the actual uh, Bluegrass uh, bottlers facility because I think they don't have the license for that or in the location that they're, they're in. You're not allowed to drink it there, but you can go pick up your sample, take it home and, and drink it. Okay. So... I'm guessing that the arrangements you have with each distillery and each state is going to vary depending on the laws of that locality and and what you're able to do. So it's not going to be a one size fits all for all these distilleries. But some of them do hold the barrels, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Revelton, as I mentioned in Iowa, hold them. Um, who else? Colpick, the distillery we're working with, they're in Paradise, Kentucky. They're holding the barrels that we bought from them. That's a beautiful location, actually. So that's the place we do want our, our clients to go visit as well because that's in this, like, 2,700-acre estate. So, yeah, it just, it just depends. We try and be quite flexible because, I mean, it's hard running a distillery. And then, again, I know some of these investment companies go in, they're like, we need these many barrels, 500. Now this is the price we'll do, and that's it. a bit cutthroat. We try and do it differently. So... With drilling grounds, it's it's more like we buy it monthly. So we buy and we how many they can produce. We've got a bit uh, like around like ten barrels a month. If they can produce it, if they can't, and Mark comes and says we're a bit we're backtracked, we can't. That's fine. Whereas other distilleries want that cash flow right up front, and we're like, okay, we'll buy fifty, hundred barrels, and it just we just try and be quite flexible with the partners because we want these to be long term partnerships and everybody to be happy in the in the end of the day. So you already own the barrels at these distilleries before the customer puts the deposit down with you. You've already made arrangements and, and procured these barrels for barrel global. Oh yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't broker things. So okay. we have part, we have contracts and partnerships with the distilleries directly, which take quite a while to kind of line up. And then we buy the barrels outright and then we only sell what we own. We don't. So at any one time we'll have around 200 to 300 barrels inventory that we own. Um, I'm not. I'm not a fan of brokering, and and you go out and sell something that's not there. It's just safer and better for everybody if you you know you own what you sell. Well, that question is very revealing, and the answer is exactly what I wanted to hear because I love the fact that you <laughs> own those barrels in advance, and you're not putting that burden on the distillery as a broker. So that that's a that's a great thing, and and I think it's exactly yeah. what I as a barrel purchaser would want to hear that I'm dealing with the owner of the barrel directly yeah i mean one thing i will say is when it comes to scotch and it's a Macallan 30 year old barrel that costs like a million us dollars <laughs> that's not something we buy out right that's usually something we'll work with the, the warehouse on but yeah when it comes to all the american whiskey we own and and everything you know all our offerings and the decks that we have that's all stuff that we own if a, if a customer buys a barrel, let's say, let's go back to the new make barrel. The customer buys a new make mm -hmm. barrel. It's uh, it's white whiskey in the barrel. It's just been put up. Uh, it's been bought very young. It's certainly not ready to drink yet. They bought it from uh, yep. Dueling Grounds, and it got moved off to Bluegrass Bottlers, and it's been in storage there now for, for four years, let's say. And this customer yep. has paid his $100 every year uh, to cover cost of storage plus insurance on the barrel. And that mm -hmm. barrel originally cost him $2,400. We won't say what it's worth now, but it's certainly more than $2,400 because it has a, it's now a four-year-old aged whiskey. Yeah. But he has a choice to make. Does he want to go pick up that barrel and have it bottled? Does he want to sell that ownership certificate off to somebody else or maybe back to you or the original distillery? What are, what are his options? Yes. Yeah. So, well, that's another thing. So something we're developing now. Uh, I mean, we talked, you said we were going to talk a little bit about the future, but something I want to do is first of all, with my um, coach belt brand, we're looking at doing the, the one with the F1 champion is doing a blended Kentucky bourbon. Cause we do a blended Scotch bourbon. We do a, a blended Scotch whiskey. We didn't want to do a, then a Kentucky bourbon, 
Barrel Global is going to start our own bottling. So similar to like what Lost Lantern's doing or, you know, Head and Barn Spirits, like single cask American whiskey bottlings. That's something we're going to do. And we have a really exciting um, trio of casks coming up in collaboration with a really cool artist. I can't say too much, but the, the goal is to work with just some really cool people in America, artists, photographers, videographers, uh, singers, um, and do our own bottlings. Uh, and then also expand that network. So basically, we want Barrel Global to be very cemented in the industry, not only selling to individuals, but we also want to supply brands. So we want to supply new brands, which we've done for like three or few, three or four new brands that have started. We've supplied the stock for them. Uh, and this all just makes it more of an ecosystem. And then eventually, when the people do want to sell their barrel, they have that option. We can buy it back and bottle it. And we can reach out to our network that we'll have at that time when we have right now. And that will only expand retailers, stores, hotels, restaurant chains that want to do their own bottlings. Yeah, it can be blended into like the other brand I'm talking about. So that's kind of uh, everything that, that we're going to have available. And eventually, as I mentioned, we'll have a platform that people can actually list their barrels on. So that's something we're working on to be launched next year that people can actually go on without needing to come to me and be like, hey, George, I want to sell my barrel. Can you help me? They can actually just list it. Um, and it'll be kind of like a barrel marketplace, which is something we're working on. And it's it's going well. We just need to be at the, the place where we've sold enough barrels that it can it'll be populated, and there'll be a bit of activity. Now that's that's really cool. That's super cool. And I, I can see that yeah. something like that could be, uh, yeah. Even even on a you know, let's say that you get uh, twenty barrels of four year old whiskey from one of your distilleries. And it's a very desirable barrel, and they sell out really quick. Those people could come right back online and list them with you at a at an upcharge. Potentially move those barrels off to somebody who didn't manage to get one on the first release, and make a little bit of money. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's space. There's definitely space in the market. I mean, if it's done right, um, done correctly, and you know, we get again, we have that network and we have those buyers on there. I think. Um, That'll be happening more and more often. I mean, it's not that easy to get, you know, four or five year old Kentucky liquid at this point. So imagine in a year or two, it's probably going to be <laughs> even harder. And I guess if somebody along the way decides that they they want to actually take ownership of the barrel, they could always apply for a license and and become licensed to own and take delivery on a barrel. And they could always do that. If they wanted to, particularly if they want to build an inventory over time and say, you know, I'm going to wait till I get a hundred barrels that I'm going to apply for my, my license. And then I'm going to go pick them up. <laughs> I guess they could do that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they could. Um, yeah, that would be possible, but we do supply also the service of like bottling for our clients. So give the clients, yeah. uh, they want to do that. We have like a fixed fee and they can choose their label, choose their bottle. We have our kind of stock bottle that we use as barrel global bottlings, but, and yeah, they're quite free to do with what they want to do. That's awesome. That's so awesome. All right. So the future, um, you've got, you yeah. said you've got five uh, client distilleries now. Uh, where are you going to be a year from now? What do you, what, what's your, what's your goal? Well, honestly, we've been the last few months of We've been growing quite quickly. Uh, a lot of new partners are coming in that are, you know, we're, we're trying to keep up uh, with a lot of like the new distilleries that are coming in. In a year's time, I'd say I want to have a, a wide range of our own bottlings out there. I want to have started making that because I mean, I think it's just a nice little add on. If someone buys a new make, new make barrel and they want to try a bottle of, you know, they buy a new make barrel of Julian Grounds, but they want to try a five year old barrel of Julian Grounds that we've bottled on a barrel global, I think that would be quite nice for our customers. So in a year's time, I'd like to be like really deep into doing our own bottlings and uh, single barrel bottlings with Barrel Global. Um, I'd like our name to be out there. I'd like to be... I'm trying to get bourbon more into Asia, which is something I'm working on. Um, it tends... It's, it's a bit harder because they don't know the names as much as they know Scotch names. Um, but I'm trying to get bourbon as a whole into Asia more and the UK. So I'm hoping to be much more established. Like the US is now the bulk of our sales, but um, I'm trying to expand more into Asia. And yeah, I just, I guess I just like to have like 10 or 15 distillery partners, you know, be working really well with everybody, uh, growing and just, I guess the main thing for me is that we're liked in the industry. I don't want to become again, one of those companies. It's just cutthroat overpriced and, you know, trying to just move a lot of stock and make a lot of money. I would like to be, and we're, we're we are there like 
our distillery partners like us, our customers are, I think, are quite happy. Um, they seem to be. And yeah, I just want to keep cementing ourselves in the bourbon industry as it grows and, and help it grow. So I'm a... I'm a I'm a podcast and and we've got uh, a large number of listeners and they're all whiskey drinkers. They love barrel mm-hmm. picks. I call you up and say, "Hey, mm-hmm. I need a four year old barrel from a Kentucky distillery of some really good stuff. You'll send me some samples. I could taste them. Yep. I'll pick a barrel. We'll pick a barrel, and then we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go down and take delivery at uh, Bluegrass Bottlers, right? Of two hundred plus bottles out of that particular barrel." That's how it works. Exactly. That's exactly exactly so, how that would work. Yeah, so just, bourbon clubs, uh, podcasts, YouTube channels, restaurants, whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's open to the public. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, av- the average man's bourbon source for single barrels delivery. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, yeah, and as I said, you can name it. You can name it on the barrel as well, so you can definitely say the name of the distillery, which is something important. Um, and yeah, we're we're getting the fun thing is that we're getting distilleries that have never actually sold barrels before, which is the the most fun part about it. Like Dueling Rounds haven't sold um, their old stock before. That was the first time that they yeah. they, they released like ten or fifteen barrels of their older, uh, like four year old bourbon. So that's that's the kind of stuff we love because. You know, people get really excited about it. Well, let's talk about what this means to the distillery themselves. So a young distillery who is mm-hmm. uh, just starting up, who has created some whiskey, young whiskey that you've tasted and you say, this has got a future in it. This is good stuff. It's it's mm-hmm. not ready today, but it'll be ready a couple of years from now. You choose to represent yep. them. They can fund their operation off of selling new make barrels to you, right? And that could help them to get yeah. through that tough period that every distillery has to go through in the first few years where they're making mm-hmm. stuff, but they not they don't have any income. Yeah, that, that's usually my pitch. So now it's, it's as I mentioned, it's a bit easier. But for me, the main points is like a you you've got a small brand, you're you're distributed in a few states, but you're nowhere close getting to the UK or getting into Japan. So that's just an added, you know little footstep into a market that you're not going to be in for a while, but you have some diehard fans there that own your own barrel, own barrel from your distillery. So that's something I always pitch. Um, Cause I mean, as I said, we, and we say it's just like a marketing tool too. We take some really cool videos. Like if, um, if you guys get a chance to go into the website, I'm very proud of the video, the content we create. I think we shine a real good light on what the distillery is doing and the people behind it. Um, that I know a lot of brands don't usually focus on. Like I know if you're a new brand, I mean, you're trying to make good whiskey. You're trying to, you know, get everything running. You don't really care about some guy taking a video of you doing it. Uh, but that's something we try and do. We try and go there, really make great content, really push what everybody's doing. I, I write all the decks. So the decks that we, we send to our customers and the story aligns, I write every single piece of that. Um, so, yeah, I think I just my pitch is just like we're in it as a partner. We're not there to kind of rip you off or help you. We want you to grow. If you grow, we grow. Um, and yeah, again, that cash flow is obviously a, quite a, a helpful thing right off the bat as well. If you need just that extra, you know, flexibility and, and peace of mind for a new distillery. All right, so we got some uh, events coming up in Kentucky and surrounding areas here. So, are you going to be anywhere? Are you going to be showing your face and setting up booths or anything to get the word out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to be at the. We, we want to go to the Barstown Bourbon Festival that's happening. Um, kind of wanted to do bourbon and beyond but i think the barstown one's a bit more <laughs> a bit more businessy i think bourbon and bourbon beyond's a big music festival with bourbon <laughs> which sounds fun but i think we'll be at that one um i'm gonna be back up uh in louisville soon to meet some new partners that we're gonna have but i'm heading over to i'm heading home to greece um in july for a month see the family best time to be there so um, we'll be back. I'll be back at it in August and, and go to the Barstown Bourbon Festival. So we'll be there. Don't know if we'll have a booth, but me and the team will be there walking about, drinking yeah. with our barrel well, with our barrel global merchandise on. <laughs> well, we'll be there as well. Last year we did have a booth, but okay. we didn't much, spend much time there. We we were out walking around, shaking hands, and and drinking whiskey with our good mm-hmm. friends. So hopefully we'll run into you this year. I have to say, you're quite a visionary. This this has got my interest for sure. I think 
by the time our listeners hear this episode, they're probably the gears are going to be turning. They're going to be thinking about, I wonder if I can do this. <laughs> I wonder if she'll let me spend the money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's often the case. <laughs> well, I would like to give you an opportunity to, uh, to let everybody know exactly where they can find you, your website, your social media accounts. Uh, you already mentioned you're going to be at uh, the Barstown Bourbon Festival. Where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, so I mean, if you if you guys are interested in hearing more about the barrel uh, buying process, you can go to barrelglobal.com and you can request access. You can schedule a call. And um, again, nothing's <clears throat> set in stone, nothing's tied. You can just ask for more information. Um, at, on Instagram, we're at Barrel Global uh, at Barrel Global. My Instagram at George Kutsakis. Um, I think you're going to have to see the spelling of that. I don't think you're going to be able to <laughs> do that off the top of your head. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find us, ask any questions, um, any kind of concerns you might have. We're, we're always open to hear, you know, about if you're a new distillery, if you're looking to buy your barrel, if you're just looking for some information, we're always there and then happy to share all the information that we have. We're very transparent, as I've mentioned to Jim. Um, yeah, that's where we'll, that's where you'll find us. All right. Well, George, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit down with us. I did hit that request info and pricing button on your website. So I look forward to getting some information here real quick. I might, I might just be putting some money down on a barrel. I think the bourbon road needs to be, needs to be doing something with this. So again, thank you very much for being on the show with us. And I'm sure you're going to hear from some of our listeners. Thank you very much, Jim. Thanks for having me. It's been it's been an awesome chat to you and, and to hopefully your listeners enjoy what we've been chatting about. All right. Well, listeners, you can find the Bourbon Road on all social media outlets. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You can even find us on TikTok. I'm not dancing, I promise you, but we are having a great time. Uh, we do a show every single week. You're going to get some good content from us every Wednesday. It's going to drop. Uh, sometimes it's a distillery, sometimes it's a country music artist, sometimes an author or a chef. Today, it's BarrelGlobal.com. So make sure you check them out. If you've got an idea for a show, if you've got an idea for a guest or a whiskey that needs to be highlighted on our podcast, we hope you let us know about it. You can always go to our website, TheBourbonRoad.com. Uh, there's a Contact Us page on there. Fill it out. Send it to us. Uh, we'll always get back with you, and we love hearing from our listeners. But you can always just send us an email, team at com. Brian and I will get that. One of us will get back with you. We love to hear from our listeners. Well, we hope you uh, scroll to the top of that app you're listening to us on and hit that subscribe button. That way, every week, you get a notification that we've come out with a new show. But until then, we'll see you down the Bourbon Road. Bourbon Road.